Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, international outrage intensifies over Russian atrocities in Ukraine. The U.S. and Western allies announce a new wave of financial punishment against the Kremlin. It's getting personal as Putin's own daughters, Katerina and Maria, get hit with sanctions. And after the devastation in Bucha, Pope Francis condemns the massacre as he kisses a flag from the town. The Pentagon's optimism, why the Defense Department thinks Ukraine can absolutely win this war, as the U.S. acknowledges it's training Ukrainians to use tank-busting kamikaze drones. Severe tornado outbreak. After a day of deadly weather, more than 37 million Americans still in the path of dangerous storms. Immigration crisis, the new change that could send thousands of new migrants to the border each day. Our CBS News exclusive with the Secretary of Homeland Security. Hunter Biden tax probe, the new details tonight about business transactions flagged by U.S. banks that involve the president's son and his brother, James. You've got mail, or do you? The news about the rising cost of stamps. And photographs for Ukraine. The women-owned group raising money for those suffering in war. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night. Tonight, there's a new round of punishment from the U.S. and our European allies following those Russian atrocities in Ukraine. For the first time, Vladimir Putin's two adult daughters were sanctioned. It is believed that the Russian dictator and other Kremlin leaders hide their wealth through family members. These latest sanctions come amid Russia's escalating brutality in Ukraine, including alleged war crimes in the port city of Mariupol. The mayor there detailing what could be the highest death toll in a single town of this war, more than 5 
thousand civilians killed, he said. And he also accused Russian troops of using mobile crematoriums to burn bodies to cover their tracks. And there's yet more evidence of Russian atrocities that are coming to light, including this attack on an ambulance outside a Ukrainian children's hospital in Mykolaiv. Well, there's a lot to get to tonight, starting with CBS's Weijia Zhang at the White House. Good evening, Weijia. Good evening to you, Nora. President Biden says the U.S. and its allies are not only stifling Russia's economic growth today, but for years to come. Tonight, though, Ukraine's president saying those sanctions are simply not enough to stop the bloodshed that is happening right now. There's nothing less happening than major war crimes. President Biden promised to make Moscow pay for its brutality, today rolling out another round of harsh economic penalties. Just in one year, our sanctions are lucky to wipe out the last 15 years of Russia's economic gains. The U.S. banned all new investment in Russia by Americans, blocked assets from two of Russia's largest banks from the American financial system, and targeted Kremlin officials and their relatives. The U.S. also sanctioned Vladimir Putin's adult daughters, Mariah Putina, a scientist, and Katerina Tikhonova, a former acrobatic dancer, both billionaires living in Russia and rarely seen in public. The U.S. also leveled its first criminal charges against a Russian oligarch today, Konstantin Malofayev, accused of evading sanctions. Millions of his assets in the U.S. seized. These oligarchs and their family members are not allowed to hold on to their wealth in Europe and the United States and keep these yachts worth hundreds of millions of dollars, their luxury vacation homes, while children in Ukraine are being killed, displaced from their homes every single day. But the sanctions so far have not targeted Russia's energy sector, the country's biggest moneymaker. And the ruble is now back to its pre-invasion worth. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky dismissed the tough rhetoric around sanctions today and criticized world leaders who still think that war and war crimes are not something as horrific as financial losses. Meanwhile, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the war and the sanctions are causing economic pain around the world. Russia's invasion disrupted the flow of food for millions of people around the world and caused prices to spike. Secretary Yellen also said today that President Biden wants Russia to be expelled from the G20, the group that is made up of the world's 20 largest economies, adding that the U.S. will boycott meetings at its next summit if Russian officials show up. Nora? Weijia Jang with that new information tonight. Thank you. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby today said the Ukrainians can absolutely win this war. And CBS News has learned the U.S. is training a small number of Ukrainians already in America to use those small but deadly switchblade drones. Ukraine's fierce resistance forced the Russians to withdraw from areas surrounding the country's capital. CBS's Deborah Pata is in Kyiv. The crucial battle for Hostomel, the airport just near Kiev where the Russian military struck on the first day of their invasion. This senior lieutenant watched Russian paratroopers spill onto the tarmac as attack helicopters attempted to take over the airport. I was running uh, between this and that entrance, yeah. uh, firing at the, those helicopters. Starsky, as he's known on the battlefield and his unit, mounted a fierce resistance over three days, then an improbable victory. The Ukrainians wrested back full control of the airport. 
That time nobody thought about it. And later we realized that actually what we have done here actually changed the course of, of the war. This is what's left of Hostomel. Without it, the Russians could not set up an air bridge to bring in crucial supplies, equipment and manpower. It slowed them down, but did not stop them executing hundreds of civilians in Bucha, just three miles from the airport. Starsky went to pay his respects to the men and women whose bodies were dumped in a pile in this hastily dug mass grave. He believes the Russians were convinced their crimes would never be discovered. They never thought they'd be defeated. Of course, and uh, those bodies uh, weren't supposed to be found. He's now worried about Vladimir Putin's next step. We're preparing for chemical warfare because we have information Russian uh, officers received antidotes from their own chemical weapons. His information is that it will mainly be used on the front line, but still, he worries for civilians trapped in that region. But sometimes hope does win. 1,000 residents finally got out of besieged Mariupol on a humanitarian convoy. However, tens of thousands are still trapped, surrounded by Russian forces. Nora? Very powerful reporting. Deborah Pata and Keith, thank you. Well, 37 million Americans back here at home and across the South are in the path of dangerous storms. Thousands remain without power after more than 30 tornadoes touched down Tuesday in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. CBS's Mark Strassman is in hard-hit Bryan County, Georgia. Look at Ellabel, Georgia, a landscape of ruin. On Tuesday in tornado, the fury of its winds hurtling at least 140 miles per hour makes this community unrecognizable today to residents like Ashley Drinkard. I've been crying because I literally witnessed this neighborhood basically get destroyed. The 24-year-old nurse hunkered down in her shower when the tornado hit. You thought it was over? Yeah, I absolutely did. Just because, like, I'm upstairs, it was, like, literally right coming through here, and I could see it. Residents of four states shared a terrifying Tuesday. Look at it. Several dozen tornadoes carved swaths of wreckage across the south. Georgia alone had more than a dozen reported tornadoes on Tuesday. Only one fatality. We're blessed that it wasn't a prolonged on-the-ground event, but where it did hit, it is complete devastation. Recovery will take weeks. In the tornado-weary south, millions now hope for a calming rest of April after the last five stormy weeks. This is Pembroke, Georgia, part of a countywide state of emergency. Behind me, workers have started repairing the shredded roof of the county courthouse. And here, too, homes destroyed, cars flipped, and dozens of people scrambling to find a place to sleep tonight. Nora? Mark, Mark Strassman, thank you. Well, on America's southern border, federal agents are bracing for a surge of immigrants seeking asylum. That's because the CDC is ending a Trump-era public health policy known as Title 42, which was used to block nearly 2 million immigrants from entering the U.S. during the pandemic. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas reports tonight from the border near Tijuana. 
This family is on the run. 36 people total, 36 sí. personas total sí. de una familia. Uh -huh. They say their success as avocado farmers has made them a target for extortionists back home in Michoacán, considered one of Mexico's most dangerous states. They're now at a migrant shelter in Tijuana, but say the threats keep coming over the phone. You'll pay the consequences. Okay. If you don't cooperate. They fled from their farm seven months ago, but a controversial pandemic border policy known as Title 42 has put their legal right to apply for asylum on hold. The one notable exception to Title 42 are refugees from war-torn Ukraine, entering the U.S. through the southern border after a few days here. So they said no asylum, no asilo, no ayuda. They couldn't help you. That it was closed. Some Democrats have joined Republicans in cautioning against what they consider a rushed end to the policy. Both Arizona senators, Democrats Kirsten Sinema and Mark Kelly, released a joint statement, Kelly calling it the wrong decision, and Sinema saying the move shows a lack of understanding about the crisis at our border. The White House, bracing for tens of thousands more migrants applying for asylum in the coming weeks, is sending additional resources to the border. It's not an immigration migration enforcement measure, and the decision on when to lift Title 42 was made by the CDC. Have more calls come in since the Biden administration said we're going to do away with Title 42? Uh, the phone don't stop. But even before the announcement was made, Pastor Albert Rivera, who runs the migrant shelter, was already building an expansion to eventually house 1,200 asylum seekers. Some of them been waiting a year and a half for a permit just to come to the border here because they want to apply, do it legally. Seeking asylum in the U.S. is a legal right, but with ports of entry not processing most asylum seekers due to Title 42, some say they have no option but to cross illegally to try to make their claim. Nora? Manny Bohorkas on the border, thank you. To talk more about the crisis, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas joins us for an exclusive interview. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much. When Title 42 is lifted... It could mean up to 18,000 more migrants every day. This will become an even bigger crisis. How is the department preparing to deal with it? It's very difficult to predict what that migration will be, but we are planning for different scenarios. We are then at the border, surging resources. What distinguishes us from the past uh, is the fact that we will not implement policies of cruelty that disregard our asylum laws. We are rebuilding a system that was entirely dismantled. But do you acknowledge you're likely going to see a surge? We very well could, and our job is to be prepared to address it. Ukrainians can be exempt from Title 42. How do you respond to critics who say this is discriminatory against those from Central America? So what we uh, do on an individualized basis is evaluate whether a Ukrainian family and, frankly, other families from other countries qualify for our discretionary authority of granting humanitarian parole. And that's not specific to just Ukrainians. We apply that across the board. But is there a double standard here? There is not. Do you have a number of how many Ukrainians have come through thus far? 
I don't have a, a number, but I believe we had close to 3,000 last week. We just heard from Abel Horkas at the border. He also met Roxana Ruiz Ramirez from Honduras. She's been waiting for nine months to claim asylum and that gang threats have put her life at risk, too. What do you say to migrants like Roxana? What we say is do not take the dangerous journey. We are building an asylum system that has been dismantled. We are providing alternative pathways uh, to seek relief under the laws of the United States. I want to ask you about U.S. cybersecurity. What targets is Russia considering in terms of a cyber attack? What we focus upon, of course, is our critical infrastructure, because that is where um, the damage uh, can be inflicted and really impact our day-to-day lives. Banking? banking, our energy system. Have they attempted an attack? Um, They have not uh, attacked our critical infrastructure in retaliation to the sanctions we've imposed arising from the uh, Russia-Ukraine crisis. But we are on alert and we are on alert together. Are you confident that America could defend against any Russian cyber attack? We are preparing for an attack. We are poised to respond to any attack should it materialize. Well, Secretary Mayorkas, thank you for your time. We thank appreciate you, Nora. It. And we want to turn now to a CBS News investigation by Catherine Herridge, who spoke with a top Republican senator who for years has been investigating the business dealings of the president's brother and son. CBS News has learned that more than 150 transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for further review. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. This is the way it is. After a nearly three-year investigation, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley told CBS News he believes the president's younger brother, James, was instrumental in Hunter Biden's Chinese business ventures. I think James Biden was very much a part of this. James Biden has worked as an entrepreneur and recently in the healthcare industry. We will focus on James Biden, the president's brother. This week, Grassley released bank records indicating James Biden's company, the Lionhall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese financed consulting firm. These records come directly from the banks, no third party. You're absolutely right. In our interview, Grassley did not allege the Bidens broke the law, but he said it's concerning that both Hunter and James Biden were promised retainers for their China work totaling $165,000 a month in 2017 after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. We have people with the Biden name dealing with Chinese business people that have a relationship through the Communist Party. I think it's very concerning. This 2019 subpoena, verified by CBS News, shows federal investigators also sought Hunter and James Biden's business records from a major U.S. bank dating back to 2014 as part of a separate probe by the U.S. attorney in Delaware into possible violations of tax and foreign lobbying laws. I think Hunter and James Biden should not have entered into those relationships. In the best case, those things look really bad. In the worst case, the conflicts can be quite serious. The White House chief of staff said this week that the president is confident his family did the right thing, adding these actions by Hunter and James are private matters and don't involve the president. CBS News began outreach to James and Hunter's legal teams last week and received no response. Nora. Catherine Herridge, thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, the Minneapolis police officer who shot and killed 22-year-old Amir Locke during a no-knock raid in February will not face criminal charges. Locke was sleeping on a couch in an apartment where his cousin was staying when a SWAT team stormed in. They were looking for his cousin. Locke, a registered gun owner, showed a gun and within seconds was shot dead. Prosecutors say the officer's actions were justified. The incident prompted the mayor of Minneapolis to halt no-knock warrants. The U.S. Postal Service announced plans today to raise the price of postage. If approved, the cost of a first-class mail forever stamp will go up in July from 58 cents to 60 cents. One-ounce metered letters will increase from 53 cents to 57 cents, and the cost of sending a postcard will be bumped from 40 to 44 cents. The Postal Service said last year it would need to raise prices every six months to keep up with inflation, but I got a lot of those forever stamps. When it comes to capturing the beauty of nature, few do it better than National Geographic photographers. Just take a look at some of their work. And these amazing photographs are now being sold for a good cause. The women-owned nonprofit Vital Impacts organized a sale of works by more than 100 National Geographic photographers to provide humanitarian aid in Ukraine. The organization says 100% of the profits will go to direct relief a group that provides emergency medical assistance and disaster relief. You can find more information on our website, cbsnews.com. Tomorrow we've got a special treat for fans of On the Road. Join me and Steve Hartman on Facebook Live to chat about our favorite pieces and some new exciting updates. That's at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time. So we'll see you on the Facebook. (laughs) That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.